Welcome to episode 17 of the RXP Podcast, where three working professionals talk about the video games, movies, and TV shows that they enjoy during their free time. I'm your host for today's episode, Alex, and joining me are my co-hosts, Matt. <laughs> What's up, everybody? The time has come. Gluten-free Oreos have become a thing. Oh, really? Did they not? They actually didn't exist before. Yeah, no. The the like licensed Oreos, gluten free, have just just came out. So no more store brand generic. Yeah, yeah, like store brand, whatever. You know, chocolate, chocolate and cream cookies. You know what I mean? Like nondescript. And my co-host Tiffany. Like Storios. And today's topic is that we are going to be talking about. Uh, the length of movies, games, and TV shows, and how the length of something might either add or detract from the experience. Um, and in these cases, it would be potentially, you know, the number of episodes of a TV show season or entire series, the uh, runtime of a movie, you know, how many hours and minutes it lasts, or even just how many hours it takes to get through a certain video game and how that may uh, impact uh, your enjoyment of it, uh, whether or not that that actually adds to the experience or whether or not how long something is or vice versa, how short something is might detract from your experience. And in, to start off and to kind of give an example for my co-host as well, uh, I'd like to recommend impartiality because I'm not done with it yet, but the anime One Piece so for those of you that don't know One Piece uh, out there, it is a Japanese cartoon show uh, made famous, you know, back in the, I think it started in the 80s. It's a very, it's a very old show. It's based on the manga. Um, but uh, currently right now, it's up to around 920 episodes. Uh, these are a roughly 20 minute episodes. So people out there can do the rough math on it. Um, but essentially it is the story of a pirate crew in search of the fabled one piece, which is the, you know, ultimate, you know, pirate treasure that all these pirates are chasing after. And personally, I've gone through about half the series. So roughly 400, 450 episodes. And, uh, it's something I'd recommend, even though obviously there are so many episodes out there and this is a very heavy time investment if you're to get into the one piece anime. Uh, but I think it's a very good marker of how, uh, Japanese animation or I guess animation in general has developed over the years because it's so long running. So originally starting out, right, everything was hand-drawn and hand-animated. And you can tell also by the quality of the image, you know, obviously back in the day there wasn't, you know, HD, it wasn't 1080, might be not even 360, probably started out as like 180p resolution. But it's something where you can watch as the seasons of the show progress over time and kind of see an evolution as to how the, obviously, image quality has improved, but also their shift of, tone color tone and color palette and also just shift in like animation techniques so eventually moving from just hand-drawn animation but also including more digital animation digital color and the eventual kind of swap over to full being a fully digitally produced show and i think just from that technical side you can kind of appreciate how technology has helped uh the production side of everything and also kind of been able to provide viewers with a more, I guess, uh, impactful experience with, you know, better or more um, graphic effects, like better visuals and whatnot. Hmm. Where where are you in One Piece? Like, what's the story arc going on right now? So currently I'm on the, I think, Dr. Hogback story arc. So I just met Brooke, which is the skeleton. Oh, um, Brooke? Yes, I just he recently he's the most recent addition to the crew. Nice. That nice. that's where I uh, paused, but that was oh man, roughly five to six years ago. I got to that point, and it's just I haven't been able to get back to it. But it is that thing where I'm still intending to go back because I enjoyed what I saw like of the series up to that point. And yeah, just seeing that evolution of the graphical style over even the half of the series has been impressive. Yeah, I I used to read the manga on a weekly basis, like when it got released, and then translated to English. 
And I did that probably until the end of pharmacy school. So now it's been a while. <laughs> so maybe a little bit close to where you were, maybe like five years ago or so. Um, I, I remember reading every week and like Oda, the guy that made it, I forget his full name. Like they called him whatever his name is, <laughs> um, but they were worried that he was going to die. You know, at some point he's like, well, uh, there's so much more to the story that has to come from this. Like they know that they're so far away from the conclusion of the story and they were worried that he was just going to pass away um, to where like another another uh like anime and, and manga that i watched and read uh was naruto and like watching that go through like shippuden and now like i haven't watched any uh boruto or anything um but i i actually appreciated when naruto ended shippuden ended because i was like you know what like it may have gotten a little weird in the end like the final little bit was a little bit odd in some places but at least it was a conclusion because I never had to worry about what I worried with One Piece. Um, but it does get to the point where someone starting out, someone who's listening to this podcast from the very get-go, I would be absolutely overwhelmed by One Piece and never would have given it a chance if I saw that there was like 900 episodes, because that's just not going to happen. Right. And as you mentioned, with where I stopped in terms of that uh, Dr hogback arc the and where brooke joins the crew it is something that the series is split into arcs so i think kind of digesting the series over these arcs and being able to break it down maybe watching a one arc or a couple arcs at a time can help you kind of get through it piece by piece rather than kind of looking at the daunting over 900 episode uh running and being like oh how am i gonna watch 900 episodes of an anime you know in a reasonable amount of time and i'd say you don't have to you can break it up and just like me right i spent you know one summer getting to episode you know 400 450 or so and i haven't watched it since partially due to not having the time but also the burnout as well Uh, but i do think that it's something that eventually i'll go back to so you're saying watch it piece by piece and not all in one piece Oh well, yeah, gosh. watch it one piece at a time. <laughs> Listen, I don't know how you can just be sitting here talking to me saying that you're on episode 450 and that you can't wait to eventually one day get back to it. And every week, another episode just gets added on to the story. That sounds very optimistic and ambitious. And I applaud you for the day you get back on the One Piece train. But yeah, man, 900, boat. over 900. Oh, One Piece boat, my bad. The ship, the, yeah. is it the, um, the Jolly, the, the Jolly, no, the, the Jolly Roger? There, is it the there Jolly are a bunch Roger? of different ships. No. I think the <laughs> current <laughs> ship they're on is Sunny? called the Thousand Sunny. Yeah. Oh, okay. Sunny. But there are different. I know that there are different ships in the show. So, so this this brings up a good point because, like, I I would say I was talking to Tiffany at work today. When I think about different media, I put TV, movies, and video games all in in a one atmosphere. And when I rank them one through three, TV is generally third every year for as long as I can remember. Uh, movies and and video games have always been. Number one and number two for me. Uh, maybe not in that order all the time, but always has been that way. So when I see a TV show, I, I I sometimes get a little bit overwhelmed when they get like multiple seasons in because I'm like, I just don't know if I want to commit that much time to like watching a new TV show. And something that I've kind of appreciated is when, you know, last last fall we, we had a peer review on The Queen's Gambit, um, which was a limited series. So we knew that there were eight episodes seven episodes nine somewhere less than 10 episodes and that was it so i knew that if i wanted to see the completeness of a story all i had to do was watch less than 10 episodes and it's never going to come back for a season two it's just that season and that's the story and i feel like that to me is a little bit easier to grasp and 
I think it's a little bit more approachable. It's kind of like a movie, you know, like a movie you watch for three hours, two to three hours, and then you're done. Um, you could always rewatch it if you want, but you don't have to like feel like you're going to be giving years of your life uh, to watch one story find completeness. I like that you bring that up um, because one of the things that I've always loved growing up were Korean dramas. Okay. Uh, some people might call them like Korean soap operas, very arguable now because there's very different, there's tons of different genres of Korean dramas. Mm-hmm. Um, but K-dramas is like the colloquial term, but they're notorious, one and done, 16 episodes, 20 episodes. You know, they did have the lifestyle uh, shows that were like, that aired Saturday, Sunday, that were like, you know, an hour each weekend going on for hundreds of episodes, but those were a different type of show. But in the K-drama world, usually you get news of this writer is writing this story arc and this actor and this actress has agreed to do the role and they have a 16 hour to 20 hour story that's told from start to finish and then they move on. And there are like three major cable or there's three major broadcasting networks in Korea. And like they each are trying to compete for the different times, um, you know, the time slots with different big name actors and different plots and big Mm -hmm. time writers. But essentially, like once you found your show, you watched it and then that was it. And I loved it. You know, I could go through. You know what? Well, I said 16 episodes, right? Usually they aired two episodes a week. So in two months, you have finished a show. Or most of the time, I would wait, you know, till the end to binge watch mm-hmm. it myself. But yeah, I really liked those bite-sized experiences. And yes, I considered 16 hours of media bite-sized. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it like makes me. It makes me think about like we. I think collectively we recommended Mandalorian season two, at least Um, and season one, probably as well. But like, as much as I love that show, I'm a little bit worried that this is going to become like a cash cow for Disney. And they're going to like drive that story into the ground. Like they're, it's going to be like season 16 and like baby Yona is going to be grown up and like (laughs) finish college by the time that mandalorian dies but adolescent uh, grogu yeah they'll they'll bring uh adolescent grogu and adolescent group just put them in a room together <laughs> um i'd watch that but i know actually that sounds like a show i'd probably watch <laughs> <laughs> but like i with all these new mcu shows and i know you know we've been talking a little bit about wandavision we're like halfway through that season and I'm so happy that it's only going to be one season, hopefully. Like, I don't want a WandaVision series. Like, I just want little bite-sized stories to, like, bide my time in between big movies. Like, I don't know. I, I just, I get a little bit worried because some of these mo- or TV shows, I feel like they're just going to sell as much story as they can until the ratings go, like, straight to oblivion. <laughs> Yeah, that's fair. And, you know, what's interesting is that I found out recently that Loki's already the Loki TV show is already confirmed for season two. And I was like, what? Like that show isn't even out yet. Mm -hmm. I mean, granted, the trailer looks phenomenal, but, you know, I agree. I like I like WandaVision. I don't think they could really do it again, to be honest. It'd have to be a completely different show. Mm hmm. Or, or, and you know, if they even call it Wanda, I wonder if they would change the name if they decide to go with a different story arc, you know, for the little mini series. But um, I, I agree. I'm a little bit cautious about what the MCU shows are going to do. Um, but yeah, give me those bite-sized moments. However, I'm not shy to long media because I have committed my life to the series Supernatural, which has since completed its run uh, this past summer, or like last year, or no, 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 this fall. I think it, or not this, <laughs> I've lost track of time. I think it finished the fall of 2020 because the okay. pandemic kind of held up the um, the filming and all that. But anyway, yeah, How long Supernatural. Did it go for? 
uh, 15 seasons. Wow. Yeah, a lot. It was very long. It's like essentially, it was just a long ride. And I haven't finished it yet, so I'm planning on seeing it through. But I started out, you know, when I was in high school watching that show. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm really excited to see where that journey ends up. I hope it... What I have season are you spoiler on? free. Uh, I finished 13. Okay. So I believe I have two seasons left. I also dragged Alex into watching this show with me. Nice. Uh, growing up so we're both in it for the long haul we got to finish it but you know do you guys think that it's like hold up the quality through at least the first 13 years i can tell that there's been a lot of tonal shifts in the show (laughs) also one could argue it's been pulling dragon ball moves throughout a lot of it you know previously on supernatural yeah and go you know goku dies and then he comes back all the Dragon Ball, you know, they use the Dragon Balls to wish him back to life. One could say that a few of the seasons ended with some death and miraculous, and then the se- the next season started with miraculous. Nice. You know, reconvening. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I that has a very special place in my heart. So honestly, I don't know that I can necessarily recommend it to someone who is just starting, you know, just listening now. They're like, what is supernatural? Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't really want to dive deep into that because I've kind of hesitant about recommending it, especially if you have, if you have limited time in your day. Um, you know, in that vein though, unfortunately I'm kind of feeling the same vibe with persona five Royal. I, that game came out in 2020. The original game came out in 2017. And I've been recommended this game for years because Alex knew that I would like it. And after I spouted and screamed from the, the rooftops my love for Fire Emblem Three Houses, he further recommended... Uh, me to play persona 5 so when persona 5 royal was announced i was like yo i waited this long might as well get the definitive edition got it you guys i've played about maybe 15 maybe 20 hours no probably like 15 ish hours okay maybe at least 10 i don't know but it feels like a long time and i'm paralyzed by all the things I'm trying to do because essentially the the premise of the game is that I'm a Japanese high school student trying to live my Japanese high school life while <laughs> defeating evil people in between school, in between my my part-time job, in between wow. trying to date somebody. Like I can barely do that in my real life. How am I supposed to micromanage <laughs> that in a video game? You know what I mean? And, you know, it's it's a 100-hour game, essentially. And I knew that going in. But right now, I'm in between, like, the so the game has palaces, mine palaces, where you go in and you try to defeat the evil big baddie of that particular palace. And I'm like, let me live my high school life and go work at my part-time job and you know, make some coffee for my customers. Let me go grocery shopping to buy, you know, my health potions and stuff to help me go through the palace. And let me, (coughs) excuse me, let me, you know, buy this gift for this character that I like and I want to spend time with. I want to do all the stuff that's not going inside the palace. So it's essentially just been a struggle for me because, you know, the big baddies of every palace, they're very detestable human beings and I don't like them. And I do want to punish them, which should drive me to want to complete the palace and, you know, find them and destroy them. But right now I'm kind of like, oh, my God, I just have like another 70 hours in this game. Like that's kind of what's in the back of my mind. And while knowing I have 70 hours, I'm still like. Let me just study for my exam in the game. Mm-hmm. While I can commiserate with you about 
the actual length and kind of the daunting nature of, as you mentioned, like, oh, when if I'm investing into a hundred hour game, right? Let's say if I even get around to playing one hour a day, that takes at least three months to get through it at minimum. And that's, that's not crazy. a short amount of time. Um, but also, I think the length of the game adds to kind of why it's more of that worthwhile investment. And I'd say that uh, partly to uh, something I'm currently experiencing and that I recently started Assassin's Creed Valhalla, which is also known to be around a hundred hour game. So very much in the same situation you are. And, I've, and I'm only in the first hour. I've only played one hour. Um, but I'd say just as I felt with Persona 5 when I played and finished that, uh, as I am feeling now with Valhalla, um, I think there's something to say where you can see the investment of the time and see it pay off in the end and say that by the time you reach that 100 hour mark, and let's say that's when you roll the credits for the game, I think it's something that you'll feel the achievement of the time it took you to get there. And especially, particularly for Persona 5, um, the game takes place over the course of, you know, obviously in game time of a calendar year. So you start in approximately around April and the calendar, right, right when you roll up to credits, I think for Royal ends in March, right? So you go through one year of this character's life and all your party members in high school. In high school. And I think if you compare that to say, if you're going through a year in life, right? In reality, a year is not a short amount of time. Like people think like, oh, you know, you the years fly by and you're like, what happened in those years? But as 2020 has shown us, a year <laughs> can feel like a really long time. And so just like how 2020 felt like a long time to all of us, and it's to, it still doesn't feel like 2020 is over, to be honest. Um, I think that the time it takes you to get through persona is kind of a reflection of, you know, as you're going through the mind palaces, as you have to, you know, as you said, take down the baddies in order to progress the story and get further into what's actually going on in that world. Um, the amount of time that it takes you to also hang out with people and work your part-time job that takes time. And so I think there's a nice reflection of saying, well, it does take me a hundred hours of in-game time to get through this, but it is a reflection of the actual arc of that story of saying I'm living this character's one year life for that time. And you're able to kind of get to know your, the character you play as, but also all the people that you hang out with, the people that you, you know, form confidants with, right? Heck, even t- like making friendships with the people you do. Cause in persona five, one of the mechanics is called the confidant system where you form friendships with NPCs And it makes also sense to that regard to say that you're not going to make friends with these people the first time you meet them. It -hmm. doesn't work like that. You have to build that trust up over time. And so I think that's also helpful to the calendar and how that says, oh, it's been, let's say, six months since I met this person, but now we're really good friends. And, you know, they helped me out. I helped them out. And so that kind of reflects onto the gameplay as well um, via the benefits you get from leveling up the confidant relationship. So I, I agree that it's daunting, but I think something like Persona 5 in particular, it's well worth that in time investment. Honestly, like one of the things that kind of bothered me about my confidant system is that, you know, there were a couple people that it'd be beneficial in terms of gameplay to befriend. But like there were people I wanted to hang out with with general because I genuine interest in their character and I had to balance like hanging out with somebody who will give me an extra health potion for every time I do something because our level of trust is so high versus the actual girl that has a super compelling backstory. And so the fact that I had to pick and choose in my in-game life stresses me out as well. And I'm like, I play this video game so I could be friends with everybody and do all the things that I want. And this game is forcing me to pick and choose. Like, ah, like that's kind of like why I'm I've kind of at a standstill with the game for right now. Yeah, I've never played the game. Um, well, I guess that's maybe obvious <laughs> since I'm just new to the PlayStation uh, ecosystem. But it's definitely been on my radar because I think it's got a lot of things I like. I love Fire Emblem Three Houses. 
Um, but I also didn't care for the same parts that Tiffany cared about. Like, <laughs> I I really like the battle system in Fire Emblem Three Houses, and I like the backstory, but I didn't like obsess over like making people like me and stuff. I just wasn't like it was like, hey, if you like me, we'll be friends. If not, enjoy your life. You know, like whatever. <laughs> <laughs> but I remember you. Like, I don't like stressed how you out. Phrase, I don't you like stressed how you phrased out. it. You're like, I'm trying to get this person to come to my house, and like, I can't get it yet. Like, I'm I'm worried that they're just never going to join my house. And I'm like, yeah, uh, I don't care about them if they don't want to come to my house. That's on them. Um, so maybe I wouldn't like the game, but I I just honestly haven't wanted to start it because my backlog is so large and i feel like 100 hours i could fit so many games in that little bit um so big announcement for me is that following up on our recommended experiences of 2020 one of the big winners final fantasy 7 remake i have finished as of today finished it rolled the credits which the credits were actually really nice um and the you know music and everything was fantastic throughout all but i am now in this position where i've gotten 60 percent of the trophies and i definitely want to platinum the game because it's an awesome game like it's i definitely see why it was one of the biggest recommended experience of 2020 and put up you know for game of the year on all these big news outlets but for me, it's like, ah, do I really want to play it all over again on hard difficulty? Like, yes, I will. But do I do it now? Because God of War just released this huge update that makes it PS5 now with all these cool bells and whistles and all these, you know, awesome. It looks better. It runs better. You know, all these things. And, you know, it's just it gets to the point where you have to be like delegating your life and like how much time you want to put into all these games and do i really want to spend another 20 hours on a game that i've already beaten just to get you know platinum like maybe i'll wait a bit but i I don't know i'm kind of wrestling with that and i'm kind of in the same boat as you tiffany like i see this task and i can do it like you can beat persona 5 if you wanted to but it's like do i want to put in that time right now i don't know still working on it yeah, I when I finished Final Fantasy VII Remake, I was like, man, that was such a joyful experience. And I'm mm-hmm. hyped for Final Fantasy VII Remake Part Two, whatever. And the, um, the idea of replaying it on hard to get the Platinum really kind of... I was just like, I'm not, I can't do that right now. Um, especially because mm-hmm. I think one section you had to play another, an additional time, like a third time to get all of the different dresses yeah. for Aerith. So as much as I loved it, I was like, you know what? Like, I think maybe later down the road, I might be more willing, you know, in a, you know, in three years when Final Fantasy VII Remake Part <laughs> Two comes out, I'm going to refresh my yeah. memory with Final Fantasy Remake and replay it on hard to get the story again and get ready for the second one that's because i'll I'll one up you heard it here you heard it here you heard it here folks i'll do you one better when in the next year year and a half i would bet that they have a ps5 update to where like everybody else is doing it like spider-man did it god of war did it like it's it's going it's going around and I bet within the next year we'll see a PS5 update for it and I think that's probably when I'll dive back in because I love the story of Final Fantasy 7 and I thought the remake was amazing it's it's when we're talking about like are they taking too long or going too fast like they have slowed down this story like this like they've barely gotten into actually Final Fantasy 7 in this remake it surprised me how like how far we did not get <laughs> and in 18 chapters um but actually i love it i i loved how slow it was because it, it it allowed me to see kind of a different side of these characters that were all like 3d polygons <laughs> um when i initially played it like years and years ago 
um, it just like bringing them all to life and like made me I've ever since I started playing it, I've wanted to watch Advent Children, the movie. And like, I'm going to watch that probably this weekend because I love that movie one, but two, it just like brings extra meaning to it. But I don't know. We'll see. Shout out to Cloud's Dumbbell Arms in the original Final Fantasy VII. Yeah. Yeah. So good. Great. Visual. I wish like part of I wish part of the hard mode you could actually have like polygon figures. You know what I mean? Like a different mode, like a big head mode, but it's actually just like polygon figures. On that note, uh the Tomb Raider franchise, the reboot, so the ones that started in uh I think twenty thirteen. Uh-huh. So Tomb Raider, Rise of the Tomb Raider, and Shadow of the Tomb Raider. They actually have a model where you can choose old school Lara Croft where she's the political polygonal model and just like flat textures and everything. That's you hilarious. can play the whole game yeah. like that. Yeah, it's definitely a nice uh, homage to the old Tomb Raider game. Ray tracing on polygons. Bring it to me, Sony. Bring it. Hopefully that's what uh, Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart does because in the 2016 Ratchet and Clank, there was a gun called the Pixelator that Ooh. turned enemies into like like physical cubes. Yeah. And for the PS4, that was actually apparently very difficult for them to render the cubic structure for the every enemy. Every enemy had a 2D cubic design. Mm-hmm. And to render that amongst all the like normal 3d models and what we expect of graphics today yeah is apparently very horsepower intensive on the system so ray traced pixelated enemies i'm that probably will or i'm hopeful that's a thing because that weapon was great in the 2016 ratchet and clank so hopefully rift apart has it as well Mm. yeah i'm i'm hoping like spider-man like some of my favorite costumes was where he looked like a like straight from a cartoon sketch and like they made it to where like um, Miles Morales was like into the Spider Verse, so they changed the clothing to F- F- uh, fifteen frames per second, and the rest of the world was running in sixty. And so, like, it looked like a slow mo kind of like comic book sketching of it, and like it kind of messed with your mind. So it's like, oh, this is cool. You like swing around for two minutes and then disable it forever because it's like, okay, it's it's cool, but it's distracting. <laughs> but like. Yeah, I, I'm excited to see if the PS5 can pull that off. That would be amazing. Also, when's Ratchet & Clank coming out? Like, launch window? Where? Where is it? Uh, We had a conversation on this podcast near the beginning that launch window is nebulous. It I know. It could mean, like, six months after release. Before the PS6. Stop it. <laughs> but honestly, like, when did... It's been, what, three months, two months since PS5 released? Coming up on four months. Came out November 12th. Oh, wow. Yeah, so we're getting pretty deep into this, like, six-month nebulous thing. Maybe the state of play soon? Question mark? I don't know. Give it to us, Sony. You heard it here. Um, but going back to the topic of uh, things that maybe run a little too long, and I guess that kind of goes along with the idea of you know not wanting to replay a game immediately uh, for a new game plus or hard mode difficulty because you know you ran your course now and you're saying oh I could replay it on this different mode or to get the new game plus and to play it again, but I, I'm not feeling it really right now, and that's obviously to say that the game doesn't change much. Uh, when you do replay it, so it is kind of you're going through the same experience again. Uh, something I, I want to bring up where I definitely think it's the first hour of gameplay is no different than the 30th hour of gameplay within the same playthrough, and that's uh, Nino Kuni 2 Revenant Kingdom. And it's something I really didn't realize until after I rolled the credits with that game, and that the, you know, primarily as an action RPG, uh, the combat doesn't change from the first hour it's you know you have the same buns i mean you get special skills later on that you can equip to your character uh and there are different characters you can control and so you know that can give you the variety in gameplay during battles but the battles play out pretty much the same and 
while as cute as the story is, it's not really something that I think the story grabs you and keeps you going in that world. Uh, to kind of table set a little bit, it is uh, based on, uh, it's the sequel to the original Nina Kuni, obviously, but the original Nina Kuni, Wrath of the White Witch, was actually in collaboration with Studio Ghibli, and so it has that kind of art style and uh, whimsical nature about it and world building and design. And uh, sadly, with the second one, it wasn't in direct uh, cooperation with Studio Ghibli again. They were able to kind of keep the same uh, art style, but it wasn't, you know, art that was procured from the the studio. Um, And beyond that, it kind of ends up because the gameplay doesn't change over time. It's something that I think if you pick it up, you can get pretty much an idea of how the whole game is within the first couple hours. And I don't think it's something you should spend the rest of your time with, because especially the story is your typical, not to say children's story, but it's not something that's particularly meaningful and life changing that you need to experience it. (laughs) But I'd say, you know, getting through the first couple hours is something that you can get some fun out of it and maybe put away, you know. I'm utterly offended by your statement, Alex, because (laughs) you finished that game, you platted that game, and you literally said to me, I think you'd like this game so you can borrow it. And then I borrowed it and I fell in love with Nino Kuni 2 Reverend Kingdom. I loved my Higgledies. What? What are you trying? What are you going to say? I'll say this in that I didn't recommend it to you based on the combat because, you know, you're not typically a person that looks for that in video games. It was more so another aspect of the game, which you did enjoy, which is why I recommended it just as a clarification. So I'd say what I look for in video games in terms of combat being the primary driver as an action RPG it's not something that really kind of engages you as a player over time. And it's something that's pretty one note, uh, especially after the first hour, Mm -hmm. but there is a base building aspect to the game, which is why I recommend it to you. So for the listeners out there, I wasn't recommending Tiffany something that I didn't think she enjoyed because she's really big into base building aspects of games. And that's, that was the primary reason for me. Knowing your audience. And I love base building. Oh no, not base building kingdom building. I was building a new kingdom from the ground up with my loving characters and my freaking Higgledies. I'm I'm shocked I even pronounced it right because the entire time I was playing Nino Kuni 2, I kept on calling them Higgle, Higglebugs or Higgledy Piggledies or Piggled Men or whatever. They're these little like elemental creatures that are almost like Pokemon that you can like collect in the game and you find them all over the world. But I love Nino Kuni 2 and... You know, you talking about one note combat, you should be talking about Man Eater, not Nino Kuni 2, because that shark game called Man Eater is the same thing at hour one to hour 10. Okay? So take that. <laughs> I played the shark game Man Eater for a couple hours, and I was like, I mean, it was actually fun. Like, I had some fun with it, but I also was like, okay, I'm a shark and I'm eating people. I played for a couple mm. hours and I was like, I don't care anymore. Um, so, I stopped. Hmm. I haven't downloaded. I I haven't gotten to it. Like, it looks like a pretty easy plat. Because I saw how fast Alex did it, so I was like, oh, I can do that. But I've got so many games to get to. Unbelievable. What? <laughs> I, I, like, say- zoomed past it. As to the length of Man Eater, I think so, you know, for reference, I did get the Platinum Trophy, which is 100% of the trophies in the game uh, in a slightly under 10 hours. So relatively short experience. Um, but I'd say the shortness as to which you can 100% the game, but also the shortness as to which you can just get through the game or even put it down is to the benefit of Man Eater. Not to say Man Eater is not a great game or a good game mm-hmm. um, or a bad game. But to say that, you know, as Tiffany mentioned, it is very one note in that you have, you know, your basic chomp ability where you can chomp, you know, sea life, turtles, trout, uh, alligators, but also you chomp humans. And that's pretty much the entirety of the game, right? As they call it a shark PG, you're living the life of this shark. And what do sharks do? Eat things. 
So it's, I think to that regard, I understand the criticism and I have it too. Don't get me wrong. I fully support that. Maneater doesn't change from the first hour to the last hour besides the fact that your shark gets bigger and then you can start eating bigger things. I mean, slight spoilers, but later on in that game, you fight an orca. So you go from fighting oh, small things to spoilers. something as big as an orca. Wait, so, I, hold on, clarification. Did you just call this a shark PG? Yes. Did you come up with that or did the developers come up with that? No, no, the, I think the, the general public, it's a term that's... I've that has floated out there that is not of my own personal unbelievable <laughs> um to, to your point though like a bad game and i'm not saying man Eater's bad because i haven't played it but i would probably say it's worse than final fantasy 7 remake fair assumption yeah sure okay. relatively speaking relatively speaking i put in 25 hours to beat final fantasy 7 remake and i'm happy with that length for final fantasy 7 remake i if that was the same length for man eater i would never finish it from what you guys are talking about but it's in our experience to plat it i think that's fair like even a very like monochromatic game that sounds fair you know like you know what you're getting into and it's not that long of an experience um i actually love small experience games uh, one game that came out for PS4 and PS5 this past week is called The Pedestrian. And it's just like a puzzle game. And it looks super cool. You're like doing puzzles on a street sign. It's only like maybe 5 to 10 hours or something. So I'm not going to spend $20 on it. But when it goes on sale, I'm going to pick it up. Because that sounds like a ton of fun. I love puzzle games. Um, but those type of experiences, while like they really can't get so many new things in a puzzle game, um, I'm all about it. Like, the smaller experiences, bring it on. <laughs> Maneater, maybe bring it on eventually. Maybe not next. I think God of War is next. Right. And I, I think kind of the, the gist of the episode and what we're trying to get across is that, you know, these are some of the things we talked about here are experiences where I think relative to the amount of time and, you know, time being the primary uh, input into these things that you invest, right? It's not just, you know, your energy or willpower decision-making, but it's also, you know, after a long, hard day, what do you want to log mm -hmm. into? What do you want to boot up and, you know, enjoy on the weekends, especially as well. And if it's something that, you know, we didn't think was, uh, you know, right or appropriate to, spend your time and you know we've taken the hit and experienced it yeah. for you so here we are talking to you now to say that you know some of these things right things like uh final fantasy 7 remake or things such as uh persona 5 at least on my side uh maybe not tiffany's side that these are experiences where if you invest now or invest whenever and no matter how long it takes you i think it's something that does pay off in the long run um, and other things such as, you know, my relative dislike for something like, uh, Nino Kuni two or Tiffany's relative dislike for how, how long persona five is, uh, and that maybe to you out there, if you share similar feelings to us about these things, that it's not necessarily something you would bother spending any time with. Uh, so he, we're here for you to try and you, the listeners, uh, not you as in my co-host here. Um, to kind of get an idea of what you think you might or might not enjoy and what you think might be worthwhile to invest in and maybe not waste your time. So do you guys have any other recommendations you'd like to make on this topic? One more thing for me, and it has everything to do with the MCU shows on Netflix. Because while we're talking about shows that go on forever – one show should have gotten more than three seasons, and that's Daredevil. And I cannot be any more happy that potentially Matt Murdock is coming to Spider-Man 3. Because supposedly he was on set. Supposedly they're bringing him to the MCU. And I think that would be amazing. Because I, I really enjoyed Daredevil as a character, and I thought that he's a cool, he's a cool superhero. You know, he was blinded and, like, had hyper, like, sensitive senses. And he just, like, beat the heck out of people. <laughs> but he also was a lawyer. And he, like, 
put people behind bars by kicking their butt and then also like beating them in the courts and that's like a really cool story um and it's like a shame that netflix kind of threw those series away um but also in the same vein uh luke cage was one of like the like worst paced shows i've ever seen in my entire life um to where i think that show went on way too long and especially the first season did you guys watch luke cage I liked Luke Cage a lot. Okay. Did you watch it, Alex? Fist was the garbage show, Mm. in my opinion. So Luke Cage, season one, had the best villain in the MCU. One of the best villains in the MCU. Probably top five. With Kingpin, you know, and with Daredevil as being another top five. Um, But Cottonmouth, Cornell Cottonmouth, I forget what his last name is, Stokes, maybe? Um, He's like... He's supposed to kind of like personify Biggie Smalls kind of a little bit. Like he has like Biggie Smalls painting in his his like foyer and everything. And he was awesome. Like he was well represented and like he was scary and intelligent and he had everyone's number. And then they killed him off. I guess spoilers. Spoilers. That's whatever. It's been like five years. Yeah. Um, we, we already spoiled Mandalorian a little bit too. But uh, it's fine. It's fine. Um so he got killed off in episode seven of season one. And that's halfway through the first season. They had 13 episodes in the first season. So for six episodes, they had this other villain. I think it was Diamondback or something. Terrible. Like, it's so bad. Like, very like, oh, I'm big boy. I'm going to beat up this guy. Like, that's like, that's what he was. He was just like a, a goon. While, like, Cottonmouth had, like, this like so many facets to him like he had more facets than diamondback hey um you know it's a diamond (laughs) joke anyway uh, (laughs) um but like that i hate seeing that like that a show goes on for 13 episodes when it could have gone if it was seven episodes that would have been some of the best episodes ever ever put into production you know when you talk about Daredevil and all that. I actually want to say that one storytelling medium that some people might find daunting and, you know, might be turned away by length is the MCU in general. You know, I knew you were going to go this way. (laughs) (laughs) The MCU. You know, has so many films, like four MCU films are slated to come out in 2021. It has 23, 24 films. The, I completely think it's an investment worth making. You know, Mm -hmm. these films are, you know, average two to three hours. And there's so much good storytelling in, in all those movies. And so many Mm -hmm. interesting characters and finally seeing a lot of those characters interact with each other in certain films and, you know, seeing story arcs completed throughout multiple mm-hmm. films, interactions and all that. I, you know, because I actually had a friend tell me recently that she's like, I just, I'm so far behind. Like, I don't even know, like, how to get it or like, is it even worth starting? And I'm like, no, like, we can do it. <laughs> I can be th- I can be we there can for it. you uh, to go through that journey again because I would love to do it. I've been actually rewatching of several of those movies, but you know, basically, you know, for me, especially because they are like really bite size experiences. Mm. You know, it's a very unique situation. It's a saga of films. You can really take your time with it. You know, mm-hmm. like each movie is a complete is a complete story. So. Yeah. Watching them on your pace here and there is like, I think, completely doable. So mm-hmm. that is my long medium thing that I like 100% recommend to everybody. And I would recommend if that interests you or if you like the MCU or want to get into the MCU, especially if you like it, you should check out our episode on the MCU, our favorite moments, because it's still one of my favorite episodes because 
it's something um, the four of us, including including Yasser, it was one topic that all four of us wanted to talk about. Um, and so, so good. I completely agree. Like, it's definitely worth the time, especially because it's kind of an investment because they have such a, a big kind of deposit that they can, or like, uh, yeah, like they have so much source material to pull from. And so... I don't know. Do you think we'll ever get burnt out of MCU? I don't think so. They're always trying something new and innovative. And I'm just always like hungering for more. And the episode Mm -hmm. that Matt is referring to is episode 11. That's the one where we really hash out what our favorite and least favorite MCU films are. But yeah, yeah, Matt, honestly, with the way WandaVision is going, Mm -hmm. I'm just still getting surprised by by the... the, uh, you know, by the Marvel Studios, and I cannot wait for Black mm-hmm. Widow, Shang Chi, Eternals, and Spider Man Three. Nice. I I kind of agree with you. I don't I don't know if we'll get burned out from it. I know some people are, but like if you look at it as a whole, it might be daunting. But like there are buddy cop movies, there are action movies, there are mystery movies. You know, now we're getting into like maybe a horror genre with the new Doctor Strange series that's coming out. Like they, they go through so many different genres in just one umbrella, you know, MCU that I feel like they keep it fresh. And I, I somebody I follow on Twitter, I can't remember who it was. Um, they said that they were kind of burnt out from the MCU and they aren't anymore after watching WandaVision because they're like, huh, this is giving me some X-Files vibes. And like, I dig it. And it made me like want to watch age of ultron again and i've never said that and i've i've said that i said that today hey i should probably watch age of ultron again and that's probably one of my least favorite ones that i didn't mention on the podcast i was like just not something i wanted to watch again um but it's cool it's a it's a great series all right and with that i think we'll wrap up episode 17 of the rxp podcast uh right in to either rxp.podcast at gmail.com or tweet at us at rxp underscore podcast with some experiences you might have that you think we should invest in and haven't talked about or think that we might not have come across yet um definitely it is that time you know as i mentioned earlier with 2020 still feeling like it's sticking around and us being shut in uh as covid's uh still progressing here you know we're always looking for more things to spend our time uh beyond with what we already do to keep preoccupied uh so just be nice to have something that maybe haven't crossed our radar yet to take a look into but with that take care don't tell me higgledies